0: Thank you for tuning into the mystery behind magic. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about Lorenzo, about Khan magic, what he does, and some of his theories. Without anything else to say, let's get into this week's podcast. I hope you enjoy. Hello everybody and welcome to the mystery behind magic. I am Chinat Kish.
1: And I am Robbie Stevens and today we are joined with Lorenzo, Lorenzo.
2: Yeah, that's it. It's quite it's quite a marvel, Lorenzo. Yeah. <laughs> Lorenzo, cool.
0: Um, so how are you first of all? How you been doing? Yeah,
2: I've been doing all right. Kind quarantine, it's perfect time to practice magic. How are you guys? Yeah, been?
0: we've been uh, good, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. That's good. So um first we're just gonna talk a bit about Lorenzo. Um so when did you first get into magic?
2: oh that that's, that brings memories um it was about i think five i think six seven years ago I first started watching a lot of kind of mass magician and the the concept behind it I was very interested but I wasn't that interested in the kind of like secrets exposed to it, but I was more interested in with the fact that we could we got to see some really good illusions and close up tricks and sometimes learn it i mean most people who've watched it I mean it teaches you but you don't really learn anything you can't really perform anything so that's when I kind of found an interest in magic and then I picked up a book and so I picked up expert car technique which is quite a heavy intensive book the first chapter is the double lift and the second chapter is like bomb dealing and center dealing and all these very complex techniques so that's kind of how I got into it and yeah it's been it's been a journey so okay far. yeah
0: it's quite interesting um that that is your first book because uh not many you know beginners start with that it's a...
2: yeah i i think I think it's part of the reason why I love uh kind of slight intensive magic is because the standard of things have been from a, a young age I've struggled with kind of bottom dealing after learning a a double lift. So I I kind of felt like every slight was meant to kind of be a struggle Mm. to some extent. So I've always kind of thought to push myself
1: forward. So if you hadn't got that book, do you think you would have not, like, got into the kind of magic you're into now? Do you think it influenced
0: you?
2: Yeah, that's a great kind of reflecting point. I think to, to some extent, yes. Because... Uh, The book you start with, your first DVD, your first magic set, kind of creates an expectation for what everything is meant to be, right? Where if you're taught with a gimmick or a self-working trick, you're more likely to look back at these times and think, oh, magic was easy when I started. Whereas me, it was kind of the opposite. Whereas magic was quite difficult and developing the dexterity to then doing kind of easier, more basic tricks. So yeah, it was kind of flipped upside down, but I I think it influenced me a lot because if I was to start with gimmicks, then I probably would have stuck with it.
0: And Why do you think uh, you chose card magic?
2: Um, Part of it was the fact that cards are readily available and coins tend to be, I mean, there's this kind of idea that coin magic is a lot harder than card magic. So I think as soon as I learned about cards because cards are kind of a, a close-up sort of thing I, I've always enjoyed kind of close-up settings rather than big stage illusions I think yeah I think I, I didn't stick with, with coins because coins are quite difficult because a French drop might seem basic but it's it most people will know at a younger age that the coin is in the other hands if you don't practice it for a long time whereas cards there are some really basic tricks that you can learn
0: Yeah. So,
1: do you like
2: gimmicks at all? Um, I, I, I understand their purpose. I'm not the biggest fan of them. I, I think, I mean, ideally a good magic set would have gimmicks and uh, sleight of hand, right? In theory, yeah. if you're a good magician, a spectator shouldn't be able, be able to tell the difference whether you're using gimmicks or sleight of hand. But I think kind of pure sleight of hand magic, that's what I really love, rather than kind of easier gimmick. Okay
1: okay, that makes sense yeah and,
0: um, would you recommend someone to buy a gimmick or a magic book
2: um what, yeah, maybe between those two yeah, let's say they've seen book. something and um, you
0: know they're um wondering what they should get.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean especially nowadays it's quite difficult because some of the gimmicks out there do look extremely visual and especially nowadays where everything is through camera. It's very easy to get hooked on a gimmick whereas you don't see many people talk about books on Instagram or something like that. So I, I personally, I would pick a book just because there's more kind of tricks for the money you spend and it will keep you keep you busy for a while. However, during these times, especially with, with this virus, it's very easy to get into kind of Instagram magic and camera magic. So I think it depends, your, it depends on your interest and audience. If you want to impress your friends online on the next Zoom meeting, then sure, a gimmick is good. But if, you're, if you kind of want it for a longer run, I think a book.
0: Yeah. And um, if you want to see um, more things about cards, um, then uh, you can check out his Instagram. You can shout it out if you want.
2: Yeah, it is. I I haven't posted anything in a while, but yeah, there's some really I've done some really interesting kind of floating photography with cards and whatnot. So it's at uh, Lorenzo, so L O U R E N C O M V. So that's my Instagram. That's kind of the only social media I use. Yeah, and uh, if you
0: want to check it out, it will be uh, the first link um, down below as well. Um, so, how would you? So obviously, you don't really like gimmicks and don't really use them. Is there anything else that uh, you know might be different to you and the everyday magician?
2: Hmm. Uh, I mean, ooh, I'm not sure. Perhaps gimmick gimmicks are kind of the, mm. the major part. Um, not really against, but I'm not the biggest fan of. But I think. I think for for most parts i I am just kind of the average magician in the sense that uh,
1: I, really I disagree and... with this I, I saw um, you jaded go, go and I, I think like you're pretty original. like your act was extremely different to all the other acts out there, and your your act is I guess the only one I can remember. So, you know, I, I think you're pretty original when it comes to, like, that kind of stuff. So with your acts, I guess it was about, what, these, these cards and memories of you had connected to them, positive and negative of pain and all these different emotions?
0: Yeah, that, that was exactly so, it. And,
2: um, I'm kind of glad So
1: how come you, like, came across to make the acts kind of like that? Because I hadn't seen anything like that at all before.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you remember it. Yeah, it was all about, it was kind of cards across, but with friends and enemies and kind of straying relationships and it's very big about emotion. But I think it all started with an idea. I wanted to tell the story. So as a member, as I was a member of the YMC at the time, I didn't really talk to many other members of the YMC, I kind of just stood in in the corner and did my own thing. And this is all, I I think, is partly my fault because I didn't really talk to people, I wasn't very social. So I thought, why not take that idea of me not being very sociable and talking to many members into something bigger? And that's when I thought about kind of friends and enemies. And then I I thought to myself, I looked at my kind of tricks I do, and I noticed that the tricks that I tend to do the most tend to be tricks with transpositions, so things going from one place to the other. So then I thought, Cards Across is a perfect kind of classic plot. So then I kind of merged this Cards Across and Friends, I put them together, and that's where the act came from. And I was, it was quite difficult because I had to come up with all these slights with timing, because I mean, I could have just used a, a trick straight from a book, but I decided to come up with a script and all these things which... Was quite. I think it was quite beneficial
0: because I learned a lot about. This activity. was last year, wasn't wasn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah. I rem- yeah, yeah I remember that as was. well. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah one definitely one of my yeah, definitely really one act. of my favourite ones. Yeah, not like everybody else's. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're definitely original. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Were you influenced by anyone?
2: Um. Sort of. I I've always liked the kind of like simple kind of classic magic of Michael Vincent. That that was the whole the whole act. And I think if you play some of my act and some of his, you could see some some of like the script kind of blending. Not really that I stole anything from him, but I, I took a few notes from the start how he kind of talks to people, who he addresses, and compared to the end kind of his starting lines, why I looked at why he did certain lines. And I think that's very important. If you really like a magician, really study their work. Like take notes. Why because most magicians who are like masters, they do everything for a reason. They they've been doing magic for such a long time that when you look at their script, for example, they've worked on that script for so long where it's more or less perfect, where you have you should question why did why did Michael Vincent say this line? And then you realise why they did it, and then you can add it to your own act. I think that's that's what kind of inspired me the most, in regards to kind of technique and scripting.
0: Yeah. So, uh, did you watch a lot of magic on TV and uh, magic shows? Um,
2: in in preparation for the J Day act, I did. Uh, I had to watch quite a few. Kind of cards across, see how people do cards across, how they count cards because counting cards is quite a dull moment because someone's counting twenty cards and the whole crowd is bored out. So that was a key moment. But um, as a child, not really. I didn't really watch much magic, only like The Masked Magician, but that was about it. So where did you
1: get to see Michael Vincent first? Because I haven't seen much of his work. I've only seen him like, like on a few YouTube videos. And Instagram. So, how did you kind of get introduced to his work?
2: Um, I, ooh, I think this was a while ago. I, I think I was working on some slight. It was either like a one the top change, or it was some very intricate slide. And he had published some work, so I, I saw that, and then went on to look at his um, pen and teller Fuller act. And yeah, took a few notes from that. And I was fortunate enough to attend one of his masterclasses he held at the Magic Circle. Which oh wow was quite it was, I was very i was very fortunate to have the ability to do that and anyway, i think it was like a three hour or six hour one and i really took notes on the whole concept of the tapestry of deception so that's kind of how i was able to bind the act together i and think for
0: um anybody wanting to improve their stage presence do you have any shows you can rec- recommend to them
2: Ooh, stage presence
0: or like how um, to like you said i'm not like sure. you said, you know you watch quite a lot of people to see how a certain trick um they they did, how to perform it
2: yeah I, I think if you're looking for kind of character and specific points of magic, really look at extreme points, whereas like if you look at Slidini, for example, a lot of his stuff, which is on YouTube, is very focused on. Timing and misdirection. So if you look at his work and take notes on timing and misdirection, which is what he was a master at Then you come up with a a, a Very quite a big set of pointers But the issue comes when you start looking at him as a whole in my opinion I think his magic was yeah, was beautiful, but his kind of challenging attitudes He kind of challenges the spectators and then I, I wasn't the biggest fan of that So I looked at that and I thought, okay, why does he challenge the spectators? because he's got the technical ability to do it. And I think he's he's an extreme in the sense of like being able to fool magicians and fool people. And then you look at the other side of the story, which is another extreme, like Juan Tamariz. There's a lot of his stuff on YouTube too, because you can watch a lot of his performances and take notes on how he makes it very entertaining, how he hugs people. Well, (laughs) before COVID, I'm not sure if this is allowed anymore, how he hugs people, how he's having a brilliant time with the crowd, which I think is quite different from, they're both very entertaining, Slaidini and Juan Tamariz, but their styles of magic is so different that you have to kind of look at both and become inspired. Ask yourself, why are they good magicians? And you should be able to answer in a few bullet points, or why do you like them? Why do you not like them? What about them don't you like? Or their timing, or their their presence, and then why don't you like them that way? I think those are excellent questions to ask yourself.
1: Well, I'm gonna do that. No, that's,
2: I haven't done anything like that before. Yeah, and the the, the bit that I like about it is that you're practicing magic by watching magic. You're kind of reflecting on it. So it's this kind of like sort of lazy sort of way to really practice magic. And then, uh, that's the thing, I think nowadays it's a great thing because you can record yourself. Uh, I've heard some sort of podcast you guys mentioned about recording yourself, and I think that's that's amazing because you look back at it and then you can compare it to the notes you took with Juan Tamariz. What do you like about his energy? Does your energy look like his energy? Why does it look like his energy? You don't have to mimic his magic because we're completely different people, but his energy matches his character. And that's when you start asking to yourself, what is your character? What do you do? And I think, I think in, in a younger age, this is a, an excellent thing to do. Is ask yourself why do you like certain magicians and not? Yeah. So
0: magicians? basically, uh, what? I think that's how you yeah kind of find yourself. Yeah. So basically, create a mark scheme of what you want to achieve in a routine or a certain trick, and then, uh, and then you know, record yourself doing a routine or a trick, and then see actually how much of that criteria as you've said, you know, you've met and what you could improve on. Yeah, that's a really, really good point.
2: Mm. Yeah, I agree. And especially with recording now, you, you are able to kind of take the video away and only listen to the audio and then check if the audio, the, the kind of the words you're saying, if you're speaking too quickly or too slowly, or if there's points where you're quiet for like an awkward amount of time. Because although people are looking at you, also hearing you and if your voice is very low energy but your actions are very high energy then that might feel confusing they might not really understand your character even though you might not have it but i think kind of blocking the video and only listen to what you say and then only looking at the video and see if the energy matches if everything matches i think that's also a good way with today's technology
1: well a completely unrelated point i'm just looking at your instagram right now and these photos are insane i really it's just so cool like the the, the sponge ball one where it's floating in the air that's so sick but my favorite is like where the thumb tip is just floating against your thumb
2: like what yeah they, they, they were so random because i, 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 I just took random things and i thought okay this 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 will work and i think i was doing i did kind of floating photography for my gcc so it kind of helped with school too
1: so how, how did you even get those photos?
2: Um, it's a secret. I'm not telling you. Anyway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, it, there's a lot of things that magicians apply. So there's a lot of kind of, some of them is like magnets, some of them is like loops, some of them it's photo editing, but they all, to some extent, they could all be done in real life. That's the one limitation I wanted to give myself, was that if someone was to come to me and say, can you show me this as a sculpture?" I would still be able to kind of do it and present it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty sick, actually. I might try it out.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun task because you start playing with angles and seeing how threads work and light and all these other things. So you've got another one of the Omni deck. How did you do that one? I, I can't remember half the photos I've taken. They, they were doing, like, <laughs> what, three years ago now? It's
1: yeah, yeah, 2017. Ago.
2: Exactly, yeah. So I, I can't remember half of them. Oh, uh, fair for, enough. Quite complicated. Some of them were like very angle based. But yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're looking
0: at it also right now. And, you know, if you're listening, um, just search it up. It's L-O-U-R-E-N-C-O-M-V. And they're just amazing. Like I see one. This is from 2017 as well. Um, and it says tricks failed, cards ripped, just remember there's always good things poetry as well
2: (laughs) yeah and uh, yeah the caption and all of them was kind of this very kind of deep philosophical sort of thing i don't remember uh, i i I think i still stand by most of the things i wrote but once again you grow up and you change yeah that's
0: (laughs) that's amazing yeah incredible um
2: which is, I think, in essence, the beauty of the podcast is the fact that in 10 years' time, we will be able to look back at this and really think, oh my God, I really wanted to explore this idea further, but I didn't because I was young. Or, oh my God, my my thought of this has changed so much throughout time.
0: Right?
1: Mean, yeah. think it's a idea. When you... Yeah, I also just noticed that like you haven't posted since 2018. Is there a reason for that? Because I don't post on Instagram either.
2: Partially is is me being lazy. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've kind of exhausted all the ideas I had. I mean, I'm sure I can come up with a few ideas and kind of floating things and whatnot. But yeah, just lazy. <laughs> okay, fair enough. When yeah. you
0: when you uh, see something and you go, "Oh, I want to take a photo of that," what goes through your mind? How do you come up with the ideas?
2: That's the thing. I, I don't think of myself as a particularly. I'm terrible with ideas, right? And most of these come up with, it's all look at it. It's just standing still in my table, and suddenly I just start seeing it, kind of like, just ideas come up. I'm. I'm once again, I don't think of myself as a creative person. I think I'm pretty boring in terms of creativity. I kind of go with the book. But yeah, that, that's more or less it. Just look at things and try and capture what you think is happening through the camera. I think that's the more challenging one because I mean, and this also applies to magic because we can feel like our magic is good because it, we're seeing it from our kind of angle. Whereas if, as soon as you put a camera, you can see your flashing in a certain place or your timing slightly off or something something drops when it shouldn't and I think that that's when you really start seeing magic through the spectator's eyes and I think photography really helps
0: yeah. that um, Another question is, why do you like card magic so much? So you sort of mentioned a few things earlier but why, why do you stick with it? Why didn't you uh, get into coin magic more why do 't you you know go to a more gimmicky things? Why do you think you stayed um with card magic
2: that 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 is a quite it's, a, it's an excellent question I think that part of it is because although this can happen with coins and a few more things I think with, with cards you can really you really have a sort of freedom in what idea you want to give your audience, what message you want to leave your audience with. For example in the J-Day act it was all about kind of like treating relationships and and kind of like becoming friends with everyone. At the end of the act every card turns blank and they've got names on them and it's kind of like peace and happiness. But just as equally I could have taken it to a whole new level and the cards could have ended up all burnt and I just say and I end with oh just hate everyone and Mm. leave the sage very angrily. I think just one element's changed and suddenly the message is completely different. I think that's what fascinates me with, with card magic is that at the end of the day we can earn all these intricate slices, and I absolutely love slice, that's another thing that I love is kind of like very difficult slice, but I think deep down it is about kind of a deeper message when you perform, which isn't really, I'm not saying it is necessary, I think something as easy as a, something as good as ambitious cards can have a, a very deep message just the way most people do it
1: so would you say it's also about like the feeling that you give the audience as well as the message
2: Hmm. yeah i agree so they're kind of like interlinker yes yeah I, I, i agree with that and on on feeling there's also the sort of idea that the audience shouldn't feel like something odd or weird is happening or is about to happen And hmm. uh, i think that that's also an important thing to keep in mind if something feels odd odd there. well how would you
1: where you come up with that idea i guess
2: of where did you hear it like in a book or... yeah so, so yeah I, I i also really like theory books so this uh, well the idea of feeling i first came across it in uh i think it was harry Lasser's. uh inspirations. He talks about uh, seeing magic as this kind of like mountain site like, with a lake and suddenly there's a kind of wave and you see some some waves in the lake and suddenly you as a person ask yourself what is underneath that lake? Is Was it a fish that created those little waves? And so, so the big mountain is the effect, the final effect that you want the audience to look at. And as soon as they see something, feel something is wrong, that's the the little waves in in the lake. And that's when they start questioning the lake and not really focusing on the mountains. I think that that's a good way to look at it, the fact that you've distracted them just by the way they feel. And now they're looking at what caused the waves, so the method, rather than seeing the bigger picture. I think that that's a good way to describe it. Oh gosh! geez, Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, everyone's seeing mountains and then lakes and all these things. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, they got quite profound.
2: Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, wait, which book is this again? Inspirations.
2: Uh, yeah, inspirations. So,
1: what inspirations. does it talk about? Does it talk about like theory of magic and everything?
2: Yeah. So it's it's theory. There's there's a few tricks in it. He teaches. Uh, I think it's a, an impromptu invisible deck and a few more things. But but yeah. It's mainly theory. I I really like the theory, but I'm sure that theory isn't new. I mean, Tommy Wonder also had his his books and he was very much on the audience not being able to feel and suspect anything. If you look at him, his actions look so natural that you don't suspect a slight is coming up. And I think that's what made him such a, a good magician. And once again, it's one of those things that if you look at his performances, you are caught off guard with his moves because you don't expect them coming. I think that, that's that, that's another kind of theory, but he really talks about it, which is amazing.
1: So, what's your favourite theory book that you've read?
2: Um, oh, ah, that's a difficult one. Um, in terms of in terms of a theory book that made me think, which is, I think, what, what theory is about, I really liked um, Strong Magic, which is a classic by. Uh, oh by yeah, I, I really want to read that one. Yeah, it's very thought-provoking. And when it came out, a lot of people disregarded it. They thought it was a terrible book. Oh, what? Yeah, so because, I mean, Darwin Ortiz was famous and still is for his technique, right? He has got some amazing work on, he's got amazing books. He's got like an annotated version of Erdnazes and he's got amazing card table books. But yeah, he came up with this kind of theory book on how to make magic strong and... It's very thought-provoking. It makes you think about magic in, in a whole new different topic and kind of a lot about kind of conviction and how to convince the audience something really happened. It's got this whole cool kind of thought experiment where it talks about the colour changing deck and how much you need to convince an audience that the deck's a certain colour before changing it for them to believe the whole deck because, I mean, we can't have like a an all-perfect colour-changing deck, right? There there must be some sleight of hand. So he talks about how can we convince an audience that the whole deck is blue when in reality it's red. Like, how far do you need to go? And I think that's that's very (laughs) thought-provoking.
1: Yeah, no, that's actually... So that's a good point. So how does he, I guess, reach a conclusion of that?
2: See, (laughs) I think the beautiful thing about theory is the fact that there isn't really a conclusion. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. this also relates to another thing that I really love, which is kind of theoretical physics, which is in essence, we don't know. We don't know enough about human nature to understand why magic works. Because that, that's the answer, kind of, theory is trying to answer, is why does magic work? Why does this trick work better than that trick? And I, I think that that's what theory is trying to answer, but in essence, we don't know. It's, it's a big mystery. We don't understand enough about psychology, timing, all these things. We just know they kind of work. Timing does help and effect, A message does help and effect, But we can't pinpoint it. And I think that's, that's the beauty of magic is the fact that there's so many people doing their own thing and they all work somehow. We can't just say, this is how it works. Let's make a perfect magician. Yeah, yeah very well. Thought provoking, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: I, I didn't really think about that before. Yeah. What is theoretical physics, by the way? Because you mentioned so, it.
2: Yeah, I'm a massive kind of theoretical physics nerd. So a lot of kind of like Stephen Hawking, Einstein's theory. So in, in theoretical physics, there's this um, big debate between the rules that apply to planets and massive things and the rules to apply, that apply to atoms yeah so so if you if you grab a planet and you see the way it spins and you use all those formulae to see how it spins and you apply it to an atom imagine that an atom is a sphere and that it spins it doesn't work the whole world wouldn't work we we wouldn't be here if we treated atoms the same way we treat planets even though in essence they're all the same right so i think this is kind of i think this does apply to magic whereas the rules i think the rules that apply to closer don't apply to stage. If you grab the rules of stage and try to apply it to close-up, that's not going to work. But likewise, if you grab the rules of close-up and try to apply it to stage, that's also not going to work. So there must be kind of a, uh, a grand unified theory, which is what all the big physicists are trying to work out. One theory, a rule or a set of rules that kind of brings everything together. And I think in essence, that's what theoretical magic is, kind of theory side of magic is trying to answer.
1: So they haven't yet worked it out, I'm
2: guessing. No, no. And I don't think we'll work it out in the next century. I think it will still be a very long time.
1: Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. No, that's really cool. Yeah. Um...
2: Yeah, that, that's, that's another thing with young magicians. Uh, I, I would suggest kind of developing hobbies. Make your life interesting. Sure, it should be about... There's a lot of magic involved in your life, especially when you're younger. But... Yeah, go out there, live a life, make mistakes, learn from them, and become an interesting person. Because if you can put the cards away and still have an entertaining conversation, then that's when you know you're you're entertaining as a whole. You don't need the cards to be entertaining, and I think that that's when it becomes kind of a, a better sort of thing.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that's a really good point to end yeah, on. Um, thank you so much, uh, Lorenzo, for coming on. Um, with such. Uh, good talking to you and you said some really really interesting things um so thank you for coming on um and if you
2: thank thank you guys for having me it's been an absolute pleasure to share my thoughts and
0: kind of ramble
2: (laughs) yeah
1: this has been really interesting
0: yeah definitely (laughs) yeah so and uh once I'm going
1: to go and search theoretical <laughs> physics up now. After
0: yeah, this, everybody's gonna be, <laughs> yeah, everybody's going to be.
2: Perhaps we. We should. Exactly, we we're the future, right? We're the future of magic. We should be the ones to kind of come up with a theory for everything. Yeah, I think, I think that that's to some extent, although in the future that is our task. I, I personally, I think that that's kind of to, to understand, really understand magic, not just see district works, which I, I think then brings another question, which is the fact that. Do you want to do practical magic, commercial kind of magic, or do you want to be more like artistic? And perhaps there's a middle ground between them, and I'm sure there is. But yeah, then there's the whole sort of thing, which is, yeah, for a whole, yeah.
0: For a whole new talk. <laughs> yeah another podcast episode <laughs> doing oh, our jo- doing our job yeah, exactly. for us. Yeah,
2: no, but yeah, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> exactly. Perhaps perhaps we'll do this in another year's <this throat> time, and I'm I'm gonna have my my whole. Kind of psychology change, and I'm going. To go, no, magic <laughs> is wrong. This is how you do it. That's how you do it. Yeah, that's the beauty with
0: this podcast. Absolutely, thank you. Thank so you and uh, it. his a, Instagram is last. going to be linked below. So uh, go check out, look at, at all his photos, and yeah, uh, thank you so much, Lorenzo, for coming on.
1: Yeah, and if, no
0: worries, thank you. Yeah, and that. if
1: if this podcast is still going in a year's time, we would I'm sure love yeah. to have you on again
0: because this <laughs> this has been great. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.